Welcome to Captain's Law. This is episode 14 and the third and final part of the leadership series, Four Pips Leadership Tips. As I've started each episode uh, of the series, I think it's important to establish that the foundation of truth, wisdom, and practice in any area is God's Word. Nonetheless, there are practical things that we can learn and bring to bear in our leadership context, whether they be in education, business, ministry, healthcare, or any other field for that matter. The Bible is not just a reference work for us to study leadership theory. It is the revelation of God and His redemptive work through Christ on our behalf. There are principles that we can apply for leaders, but to turn the Bible into a leadership book is actually to diminish it. With that being said, there are some very practical things that I've picked up along the way in serving in various leadership positions and in studying leadership academically. One of the things I thought I would start out by saying uh, at the top of the episode was that we really do have within leadership circles today this this notion that uh, Christian leadership in particular with the whole John Maxwell uh, movement and, and other movements that are, are similar to that. Uh, I think of Catalyst uh, and different movements that are trying to integrate leadership principles. What we really have, I think, is an effort to make something that's really quite simple packaged in a different way. We market it in a different way and uh, pretend that it's it's new or cutting edge or that it's some type of, of new uh, finding that can enhance our leadership in, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, a case in point, I was I was at a, a leadership event, the Global Leadership Summit, uh, actually this past uh, year. And uh, the particular leader was talking about white space. And white space essentially was, if you really boil it down, uh, periods of time built into your day where you can uh, disconnect from the rigidity of the workplace or the rigidity of your workflow or, or things along those lines, and, and where you're able to be creative. And so the whole talk, and there was a book surrounding it and, and, and all of these types of things, but basically white space in my own mind was a break. <laughs> and that's not something that's new, that's not something that's, a cutting edge, it's repackaged, it's given a different name, it's given a different uh, marketing spin so that we can sell a book, a book, so that we can lead a seminar, so that we can be a keynote speaker, those kinds of things. But really when you boil it all down, the, the things that we'll talk about specifically in this episode are, are practical matters. It's not anything that's new, it's just, uh, they're just things that we need to consider and personally that I found practically helpful. Uh, the first of which is shared vision. Now, my inclination as a leader, especially early on, was to go into solitude to draft my philosophical approach or my personal vision and then to return to implement it while expecting others to passionately buy in. Now, this is a pattern I've witnessed in many leaders and most of all within the church. What I've discovered is that this approach is not only ineffective, it's actually also very arrogant. In a church setting, the plurality of elders is an excellent way to avoid the tendency to cultivate what we might refer to as the leader dictator or the leader sage in our congregations. 
the leader dictator is really self-explanatory. We've probably, unfortunately, all experienced uh, pastors or leaders that are dictatorial in nature. Uh, the leader sage is kind of uh, the one and only wise uh, savior who kind of comes down from the mountain with with the law and imposes upon us what he's he's had revealed to him independently. Um, but really, that's that's not a wise way to lead, and and it's not inclusive of others, and it's no wonder that people don't buy into to the vision uh, when they're not allowed to participate. In other contexts, it's helpful to allow uh, others to contribute to the vision through leadership teams or participative vision meetings. Uh, telling people what to do, after all, is much different than listening to the ideas of others, incorporating their contributions, and guiding them towards a common goal. Now, none of this in in church context is meant to diminish or to demean uh, pastoral leadership or even pastoral authority if it's wielded well. Um, but I'm, I'm speaking to a variety of contexts here of which church ministry is only one, so, so bear that in mind. Uh, one example comes to mind when I actually served in, a, in an administrative capacity at a local Christian school. And one of the tendencies at that Christian school was each of the departments was somewhat hostile towards the other departments, elementary, middle school, and high school, etc., and so one of the projects that I decided to undertake was to have a school-wide science fair that incorporated uh, elements from all three of those groups, elementary, middle, and high school. And so we had to pull the, the science department educators from each of those departments to form a team in order to get um, the guidelines in place, in order to organize it, in order to understand what the purpose was in order to map out how it was going to be graded in order to map out who we're going to get to to be judges all of these things were things that had to be worked out and the end result was one of the most visible successes that i've experienced as a leader when we were able to come together when we were able to despite our uh, our silo mentality prior to this project when we were able to come together and we were able to understand what our goal was and we were, we were able to craft a shared vision. The result really was a coming together of those departments in a remarkable way. And I've always looked on that uh, as a visible example of success. It's important for us to have shared vision and not simply to implement a leader's solo vision on the group. Another practical aspect of leadership that's worth our consideration is communication. I, I remember being in a meeting with the church leadership team a few months after a new pastor had come in on one occasion. I was serving as a youth pastor at the time. And the pastor said, quote, I figured out this church's approach to communication, to which all the leaders were eagerly awaiting his analysis. And then he said, you don't. <laughs> now, I found that amusing, but not everyone in the room was, was laughing uh, when he made that remark. You know, I've never worked anywhere that communication was perfect, but there's been a range from needs improvement to red alert. Uh, there's a lot to say here, but I'll try to follow my own advice with, with just four points. The first of which is be clear. Having taught middle school for several years helped me to think through how important clarity was. Even though most leadership positions are dealing with adults and not middle school students, the core dynamics are really the same. 
you still work with people from a very diverse background and who are in different current circumstances. And being open to immediate questions and feedback can ensure everything is clear. Metaphors, hyperbole, being vague, or communicating with leading questions can all lead to a lack of clarity if you're not careful. And so when we communicate with people, it's very important to be mindful of um, how what we're saying is going to be interpreted and how what we're saying is, is going to be understood in addition to simply what we're saying. We need to be clear. It's also important, secondly, to be concise. Uh, this is a personal pet peeve of mine. If you can effectively make the point in 10 minutes, then it is ineffective to take 15. Uh, whether it's a sermon, whether it's facilitating a meeting, a lecture, a seminar, your audience will appreciate being mindful of their time's value. Uh, thirdly, it's also important to be consistent. Consider how what you are saying aligns with other things you've said or other active initiatives. For example, if you're in the middle of a teamwork initiative, it's probably counterproductive to send an email out cracking down on workplace chatter or making meetings much longer than necessary when that time could be used on collaboration. So consistency in, in the message that you're putting out there is also important. And consistency with yourself, of course, but also consistent with other initiatives that are taking place within your organizational context. Fourthly, and finally, but certainly not uh, any less important, is to be courteous. Now, this means considering who needs to know specific information and including them accordingly. Uh, being uninformed, of course, leads to lower morale as well as lower productivity. But being courteous also means communicating in a timely manner who wants to be told an hour before a meeting that they will be the ones facilitating. Additionally, courteous communication also means that we're going to be mindful of our tone. Uh, we're going to be mindful of uh, our use of humor. Uh, humor can actually be a good thing, as we learned in the last episode. Uh, but it needs to be used in a way that's, that's helpful and not that's hurtful. So courteous communication is also very important. A third practical aspect of leadership that uh, I found helpful is uh, regular check-ins. The norm seems to be an annual performance review where leaders and followers discuss their strengths, weaknesses, and plans for improvement. However, this does not allow for course corrections in real time or constructive feedback when it would actually make a positive impact. A more effective approach would be to have weekly check-ins with leaders and followers. Marcus Buckingham um, suggests this practice with leaders basically taking 10 to 15 minutes to cover two essential questions. One, what are you working on? And two, how can I help? Now, a common objection to more frequent check-ins with an emphasis on providing support is the time commitment on leaders to do this. But as Marcus Buckingham pointed out, if a leader is too busy to meet with everyone on their team for 10 minutes in this format, then they are either too busy or they have too many people on their team. Uh, it really is much more effective to, to meet with, with team members and uh, those who are, who are followers in any organizational context on a weekly basis and to understand what they're working on and to offer assistance to help them to be more productive. 
Well, we certainly could talk about practical leadership things uh, almost indefinitely, really, but these are simply a few of the things that I've learned along the way that have been most helpful. Uh, Communication is very important. I think that it's important for us to check in with those that we lead on a regular basis, and then uh, certainly it's also important for us to have a shared vision with those that we're working with. Transitioning now on Twitter, I asked which captain was best at communicating with their crew, and 89% voted for Picard, 11% each voted for Kirk and Janeway, and 9% voted for Cisco. Um, That particular poll made me think about the Next Generation episode Allegiance, where Captain Picard is able to communicate with a few side glances across the bridge to have his crew put his plan in motion and to put the aliens who had imprisoned him behind a force field. And the thought that came to mind is, wow, if only communication were really that simple or really that effective, right? Uh, If only we could be as good a leader as Captain Picard. Well, that's uh, that's a pretty high bar to aspire to. Nonetheless, uh, we can become better leaders if we consider and if we think through the, the different things, um, even some of which we've covered in the past three episodes here on Captain's Log. Uh, by no means is it a comprehensive list or an exhaustive one. However, it does hopefully spark us to uh, dig further and to read more and to investigate more exactly what it means to be a good leader. I'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, Be sure to check out all my previous podcasts, including part one and part two of the leadership series at calvinistpicard.com. You can also find Captain's Log on iTunes, and I'd like to ask if you would take a moment to just review the show, and you can also rate the show on iTunes. Typically, we also post it on Twitter uh, via Overcast as well, so you can listen directly. You can also leave comments on the first contact page at calvinistpicard.com. And there you can also check out the captain's blog. My latest post is Family, Fundamentalism, and Faith. I hope you'll take time to read and leave some feedback for that as well. Before signing off, I thought I'd also recommend a few books that might be helpful uh, along the lines of the topic of leadership. Uh, The first of which is The Steward Leader by R. Scott Roden. Second, Communicate Like a Leader, Connecting Strategically to Coach, Inspire, and Get Things Done is very practically beneficial, and it's also very concise and easily readable. That's by Diana Boer. Um, The Christian Leader by Bill Hull is a great uh, kind of a a pushback against the, the secular leadership mindset for Christian leaders. And then also just a practically helpful uh, book is The Leadership Challenge by uh, James Cousez and Barry Posner. And if I got those names wrong, I apologize. And I thought I would leave you today with three tips from Calvinist Picard from actually several years back. I just thought these were funny. Uh, Number one, the look in your eye should say, I didn't get these four pips for nothing. Number two, Grip your command chair in such a fashion that your crew knows your concern, but that everything is ultimately in God's hands. And number three, tug at your uniform in a manner that lets them know you're in command, that God is in control. Thanks for taking the time to listen.